Good afternoon. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for today's Friday Gallery Talk. Um, my name is Caroline. I am the Adele Program Manager here at the Hirshhorn. I am delighted to introduce Elizabeth Prellinger. She is the Kaiser Family Professor of Art History at Georgetown University, where she teaches a variety of subjects, including German Expressionism and Weimar culture, Romanticism, Abstraction, and the Symbolist Movement. She has also curated a number of exhibitions at such esteemed um, museums as the National Gallery of Art, uh, the High Museum in Atlanta, and the Kunsthaus Zurich. Um, please join me in welcoming Elizabeth Prellinger. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you for coming. Um, I had hoped actually to have you kind of creep through the opening and look right here and see everything white and that strange Robert Gober up there and think, hmm, what is going on here in these white museum walls? And then all of a sudden you'd step here and see something quite different. What is the main thing that you notice here? quickly colored that amazing yellow. When I was being asked to uh, choose a work to talk about, I was looking through the um, JPEGs that Caroline sent me, and the minute I saw this, I said, yes, that's the one I'm doing. And my colleague Evan asked me, well, why would that be? And I had to admit it was because the color. There's something there. Now, why would you think an, a piece like this would be in an exhibition called Out of the Ordinary? Come, let's look at it. What are some of the first things you notice besides the color? What is, what is this thing? It's definitely a thing of some sort. It, it, it's, got, it's got that columnar form. It's interesting that you chose that first, that it has the column, you know, a column form. What else if we're thinking about it as a kind of religious object? Yeah, we've got all the Marys, all the Virgin Marys who are here. It's in fact called Display Stand with Madonnas, and it's by Katerina Fritsch, who is a 57-year-old German sculptor who lives in Dusseldorf, um, where she teaches as, as well as lives. So we've got her here with this piece. Um, what what do you, would you say when you come by? You recognized immediately the column and you recognized the Madonnas. What else is going on here? What's well, a rigidly classical column. Okay. Modern abstract work, but it's kind of a layer cake. There's a, there's a joke in there somewhere, but I can't see it. I think that's really good. There is a joke in there somewhere, um, which brings in that whole question, since you put that question in right away, of um, of a issue of irony in this work. But let's leave that just for a second and talk about uh, what, what material she's used and how the whole thing works. I was so interested, again, to hear the idea of a column. Does it remind you of anything else? Any other monument or? <laughs> yes, the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Um, a little girl about this big came through earlier and said, look, mom, it's the Leaning Tower of Pisa, but it doesn't lean. So. That's one of the things that Katerina Fritsch is really interested in, is having works that she puts together that are full of allusions, references, but don't quite 
jibe with any of our usual understandings of what's going on here. So how, because it's a very carefully rationalized piece, even with its humor and irony. But it's not just like a pile of Madonnas, is it? It's very rigidly classical. Yeah. You've already counted them, yeah. Nine layers, very, very organized. Have you counted the number of Madonnas? If I could walk around it, I would, but I can't. Well, you can't walk around it. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it's been installed that way? Because it's a curatorial choice, of course, to have it done that way. It's probably fragile, and also Okay, so that it's got sort of utilitarian reasons, though if you look at the pat of, or the, the half pound of butter there, or the quarter pound of butter, you can get pretty close. So it's an interesting issue. It should seem as if, no pun intended, it's a sculpture in the round, but you can't quite see it that way. So you've got almost a kind of pun on sculpture as well. Is this a piece of sculpture? What, what do you really think about when you think about a Madonna? Do you think about sculpture at all? What is a great, what's a great Madonna sculpture that you're aware of? They got there, they got too close. The Pieta, of course, that's the great Madonna that you'd think of. But no, that's not what's going on here. What do we think of as being one of the great qualities of Michelangelo's Pieta? Or number of qualities. What do you think? Sorry? The marble. The beauty of that marble. Okay, that's one thing, very important. What do you think this is made out of? Actually, it isn't made out of ceramic. It's made out of plaster and aluminum and I think acrylic is the two, aluminum, plaster and paint. So it's again, very interesting to think about how it might look like ceramic, but it's not. So again, you've got her kind of playing with you. Now, where, if this is not marble, um, for one thing, what else does a real Madonna sculpture, again, like Michelangelo's Pieta, how, how did he make it, and what was he trying to communicate when he did it? Well, I certainly think when you see uh, Michelangelo's Madonna, you feel an enormous sense of piety. I don't think I have ever come across, or there are very few works, even documentary, where um, there is this relationship between a loving figure and a hard child. Yes, yes. And this is probably the most beautiful and touching expression ever. Easily. That's that's beautifully expressed as well. Yes, that's true. And you know that sense that one experiences of empathy and compassion um, is tremendously powerful. But what about these Madonnas? I think now it's all the Pieta oh. was a boy. It was displayed at the uh, 64 World uh, World. World oh, golly, I, I was there. there. And what I remember <laughs> is that relaxed, great 
uh, peaceful uh, posture. And of course, this is an upright, rigid, uniform, almost emotionless. There's an iconic quality about it that is uh, completely lacking in my Exactly. Yeah. It, almost, it almost feels like commodity. Front yards, moods completely different. Repetitious and seriality, absolutely. And in fact, what Katerina Fritsch did was to make a mold and then to, um, she, well, she used to make each individual sculpture. Now, very carefully, she makes molds. So there's the handcraft of it, but then gives them to an industrial factory to have them make many multiples, okay? And she has Madonnas that are tall and then the smaller ones, which she actually sells. So very completely different very rigid, very repetitive. Where, where might you find something like this if you wanted one? A store, okay. Yep, a gift shop. A Catholic bookstore, exactly, exactly. So dare we call these kind of kitschy, you know, sort of little figurines that one might find in lots of different kinds of locations, but what's it doing here? What's it doing here? Why would it be in a museum, for example? What kind of art really is this? Is this a work of art? Is she asking you to think it's a work of art? How does it fit here in, in the Hirshhorn? And Katerina Fritsch has exhibited in Zurich, in Dusseldorf. She represented Germany at the Venice Biennale, I think in the, in the was it in the 90s? In the mid 90s? And she does a lot of figures that are repeated but that are in different sizes and different colors too. How about that yellow? Say this was blue or black or green. What, what might you think coming upon it around the corner? Oleomargarine, you know, that's so interesting you should say that because we've got a bunch of butter right over there. No, which is not the same color, but you think of, okay, margarine. So it's sort of a buttery kind of yellow, what else? Looked as if you had something on the tip of your tongue. <laughs> no, I was just thinking about Indian rituals. That okay. Butter, you know, that clarified butter. The ghee. Yeah. That's so interesting. How is that used? Well, I think they, they call it puja. They, you know, they worship different symbols. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I had been in India years ago, and for some reason that just flashed into my mind. Okay, so that's another reference as well. She has that way of using very ordinary objects, but she makes them strange or uncanny in some way. And I think you've brought that out with the idea of the color, the rigidity, the column, the Tower of Pisa, the references to the Michelangelo sculpture, for example. What else does that yellow represent to us? It's almost a neon color, very glaring on caution or traffic 
Ooh, that's great. Yeah, caution, a traffic signal, glaring. It really. Yeah, uh-huh, a bike rider. She uses actually a lot of matte colors because she doesn't want anything to reflect if possible, but what she's got them sitting on is um, aluminum, big aluminum circles there. So if you look right here, everyone, if you can, well, you don't necessarily have to squat, but is this a solid? A solid column? It's lacy. It's lacy, yeah, it is kind of lacy. You can see right through it to the back, so it doesn't really need to be uh, exhibited as a sculpture in the round necessarily because she's showing us that it is the same all around, so our imagination doesn't have to work that hard. What, what were you thinking? The walls around it actually intensify the yellow too. If it, if it was out in the open, there was not enough to bounce the, the color off the walls. And oh, that reflects. Huh. Uh huh. It would be swallowed up a little bit, uh, so the color might not be quite as intense. Really. Unless it's in a room by itself. Mm hmm. That's sort of mm hmm. I think it's interesting. It's it's a uh, it's a sort of minimalist approach, to, to, uh, but it has it's it's sort of sticking its uh, finger and eye at minimalism also with these with these representational forms uh, and, and having you know, a specific meaning uh, where you know, the Virgin Mary kind of has this multiple right. uh, interesting to, to, to see it uh, you know, take, take uh, uh, minimalism uh, 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 core principles of comparing you know, down and having a generic kind of form, but then using this sort of uh, multiple version uh, Mary around it as a, as a way to, to try to say something. Right. Um, that's very well said. That is my colleague, Evan Reed, who is a sculptor and who will be speaking next Friday on the George Tooker, which is right around the corner, so you may not want to miss that. But I think the idea of it being exhibited, this is, if you were had made this, this is how you would have wanted it exhibited, so you could see that laciness against the... It's interesting. Yes, go ahead, C Caroline. So on that note, I, what I think is, is interesting about that question and why wouldn't it be in the center of a room to walk around and how, and how, is, how is the figure of Mary usually displayed? And it's, it's often in a shrine. Yes, sort of right. Of right, a niche. It's not, and you know, Mary is made less special by the duplicity of the multitude. Right, well, it's kind of. That's true. That's true. But this is actually a kind of shrine as well, a sort of modernist shrine, which... making a statement about religion by having it set up sort of like a shrine, but there are, because there are so many of the figures, and then with this display, that maybe it's a comment on religion itself, or the act of praying towards an object. I think that's true. One does have the sense of that very iconic, a sort of totemic 
quality, you know, like a totem pole or a totem column. And something else that I think comes across very strongly, I don't know how you feel about this, is that as you were saying, it has, you know, it's a very rigid kind of thing in many ways, but the Madonna herself has a lot of sort of lyrical qualities to her, with the rosary draped across her, um, with her robes falling like a waterfall at her feet. And what is something else that's interesting in the way that she's lit, or in, a, in the way that they all are lit? I think it's a very interesting idea, except except the top part. But can you notice something? Yes. The faces are all shaded. What what kind of, a, yeah. Was that the curator's choice? That wasn't the artist's choice. I mean, this could be displayed. She might choose a different lighting arrangement. That's what I was wondering too. I was going to ask Caroline about the curatorial choices that were made here. We've got some of them already, you know, the kind of shrine here. Um, but I was wondering about the faces all being hidden and whether or not it is a gallery choice because it's, you know, overhead lighting or whether something coming in from the side would have made a difference. I wish that I had that information. I Yeah. Uh huh. Well, usually you do work with the instructions that come from sure. the office. Sure. Sure. At the same time, you have to take into account a limitation that the particular architecture, mm -hmm. as well as the lighting, mm -hmm. presents in the museum. Um, but I'm sure, looking at the number of lights there, that there is intentionality there. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. And the intentionality is usually based on negotiation as to how the artist, probably to begin with, wanted, wanted it work right. to be lit. Right. So we've got a whole but number it's an opinion. of. It's an opinion. No, I think it's a good one. I think we have, you know, there's always that trade off between, you know, artists' intentionality and how the the work looks when it's actually installed. I just was struck by it because it gives even more of a kind of counterpointing of light and shadow, just the way, you know, a Baroque sculpture would, where you see, you know, light playing over the forms in such a, a movemented and lyrical kind of way. You know, you said, it's, uh, you remarked earlier that the Madonnas are sitting on aluminum circles. And unless I'm mistaken, they're not Well, circles. they're discs. They're circular is, discs. That's... And for that reason, it still has this fragmented look to me. It's nine objects stacked on top of each other. No. My mind kind of reaches for a single unified piece, but it can't quite get there. I'm, I'm just seeing a stack of nine uh, circles of Madonna. Uh-huh. Uh, I, and I wonder if that has something to do with the barrier. Is it is it stable? Can it be easily tipped over? The, the way it's made is that the Madonnas at the bottom are solid, and they get more hollow as you get to the top, so they're not solid like through up there. And then on each level, the Madonnas are adhered to the metal disc, but each disc is manually stacked. Right, so right. So they're on their own level. So it's stable, but it's definitely vulnerable if somebody bumps into it. Yes, I didn't know that either. Thank you. Yeah, what I, I conserved it. I recommend it. 
Oh, that's wonderful. So what, are they solid um, plaster. plaster underneath? The ones, right? Okay, okay. That's, that is, it is, but it, when you um, remove the sculpture, you'll be taking it down layer after layer, is that right? Are, are the um, Madonnas themselves adhered to the discs? Right, yeah. Okay. And, then, and that's one of the reasons why I came to conservation here, just to make sure they were all here. Okay, okay, I didn't know that. Thank you, sure. thank you. So again, that must be part of the way in which she combines the handwork with the industrial uh, molding and casting that happens with it. Yeah, and you were right to correct me. I did mean disc, and you were absolutely right. If they were on a circle, it would give, I think, quite a different impression. I was trying to see whether there was any sort of reflectivity from the inside, but I'm not sure that I actually see any. Um, but it is if there's a kind of you know, floor stacking. It has almost a kind of skyscraper quality to it, you know, with those, with those evocative, it, it's a column in and of itself, but it's also little, as if they were little columns that go around the exterior of those, of those discs. Is there anything else that you can think of about this that is that is special. Again, what would you uh, think about it being in an exhibition that really introduces this notion of out of the ordinary? Because it's a mixture, isn't it? With her ironic pun on ordinary things and an overall work that isn't ordinary at all. sensibility of our time is out of the ordinary that it doesn't it doesn't fit in any historical context at all we were kind of a joke well uh, do you think it, it, it there's there's a joke in there and the joke is that we're the joke you know we we don't fit in any in any tradition that's interesting do you really think it is completely without historical tradition well no she's that's the joke she's She's taking our sensibility, the mass-produced, uniform, right. kind of expressionless, right. objective reality that we live in our industrial economy or world, and she's shaped it into a quasi-classical form, and it doesn't work. I mean, it doesn't fit. You know? there's, a, there's a dissonance there that, and like I said, my mind reaches for this uni unified whole, and it can't quite get there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just think she's commenting on not ordinary. That's not necessarily a good thing. Whoa, that's a, that's a great way to put it. Sorry? Is she criticizing art in any way? In other words, worship of art or idolizing art? What do you think about that? Sounds... It is indeed. And she's really sort of, again, been very ironic about it by using something that can be seen as a kitschy item, modified, played with, that doesn't just stand on its own to be put in its own little, you know, sanctuary in your house, for example, and put, you know, 
another rosary on it or? I think that in some ways it is very historical uh, because um, when me. you think of this word in particular, it's over. Uh, we are oh, really yes. thinking about, oh, Go for it. Uh, we are of course thinking about the Marcel Duchamp. And when you think of Marcel Duchamp, you know that he used completely ordinary object uh, and presented it as an art. So the artists, as they developed over a period of time, of course, play, meaning urinal, uh, play with the idea as to what the ordinary could be. You know, I'm trying to think back because and I, I don't know whether I'm correct here, but I think that Katharina Fritsch, but you can all check on me, made first large Madonna for the sculpture project in Münster, which happens every 10 years in the German town of Münster. And artists from all over the world are invited to create objects in relationship to the city and that she was that her that her madonna which was you know the sight of the human being the size of the human being i think but please you have to check um, was uh, was and, and so she chose the space which i think was a shopping center and I think that in the street of that particular shopping mall, she put the Madonna, which I think that when I saw it there for the first time, uh, I, I thought of the center of the town with, of course, religious monuments and churches. And then how does this play within our contemporary city? So, you know, there were several elements happening to me, Duchamp, ordinary objects, religious town, public sculpture. So all of this was kind of circulating in my head. But I could be completely mistaken. Maybe it wasn't that exhibition, sculpture project in Münster. Uh, maybe it had been another one. But I vividly remember Madonna standing in the middle of the, yeah. Uh, and you know, I love that exhibition, which happens, as I said, every 10 years, uh, just because it took some time to persuade the small city of Münster to do it, but sort of citizens are completely into it and some objects from this public exhibition ends up then within the city of Münster, thus in the collection of the city. And uh, if you go outside, you will see uh, a sculpture by, uh, uh, by Jeff Koons um, right on the mall side above the sculpture garden, which actually was also in public in in, uh, in Munster, uh, and it was a copy of that kind of a figure which was above the uh, fountain and represented sort of you know historical figure of a, I don't know the not necessarily. Yeah, trade men carrying all kinds of food. So, so you can see how artists, including her, were probably thinking very carefully, at least some of them, as to what images would they choose within the city. And all artists then also work, obviously, with the historical vocabulary and so on. 
because that one was big and this one's little. And, and didn't you do the giant rat? We're talking about the scale <laughs> of these uh, objects. Yeah. No, thank you. That's, that's very interesting. And Munster definitely is on her biography. And I, there's a major cathedral in Munster, so having the Madonna there would also be a very interesting contextual kind of reference to make. The one thing I also wonder is, what color is the Madonna? Do you remember? She makes them in different colors. I think I think that she she you almost come across it and that gets startled. She doesn't shine ahead of you approaching it. So I don't believe it was yellow. Interesting. She also is going to have um, a sculpture of a cock um, on the uh, one of the empty plinths in Trafalgar Square. So that is coming up this year if it's not up already, and it's bright blue. So, and I heard her say in an interview that she was thinking of it not just as a big sort of, you know, male hen, but also with the English meaning of being cocky as it sat there on the plinth. And she used the English word for it too. So it's a very interesting phenomenon. Well, is there anything else that occurs to you as we, yes, please. Just one question. I've wondered if this had more resonance maybe in Europe, where you see more really oh. old cathedrals, you see a lot more religious sculpture. Whereas here, it's rare. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very interesting idea. Um, it's, in that context, I could see people in this country with a strong religious sensibility, being mildly offended by this, if well, not strongly offended, because they're they're more invested in the the iconography, the imagery. They're tied to it, and uh, they see it used this way. As I said, in an almost um, joking manner, yeah. and uh, I don't know. Uh, she's. She was wise to choose Catholicism as her motif. Uh, other religions might have got her in more trouble. Well, Catholicism has certainly had its problems in the past 25 years when one thinks. But um, I'm interested in what you say there. And uh, I guess it makes me think that part of it is that idea of a kind of tchotchke, you know, a sort of... In, Exactly, to the sort of debasing of, of high culture, among, among other things. And uh, European and American, it's a very interesting idea. I mean, she thinks, I wonder if she thinks nationally like that, you know, because she does seem to raise things above the local. Um, to larger ideas about religion, for example. But I think also, as you say, it is a very ironic kind of, kind of look at things, um, you know, by choosing this figure in particular who carries so much meaning. You're not convinced. You're not sure. I mean, I have expected it's, people to be more reactive to the Oh, yes. And they haven't been. Okay. Like, well, yeah, we've seen the gift shops. 
You know, you make me now remember what it was I really wanted to say, thank you, which is I was standing here a week or so ago and I, a guard came over and was talking about it and I asked him what he thought and he said, well, you know, I'm from a very Catholic background, I'm Dominican and we have a figure like this at home and we all, you know, it's a very active figure in our prayer. So for him, he was not remote offended but took it as a without irony as excuse me glorification yes like glorification or validation so he was he was flattered by it and actually very moved by it so I think it is nice so it's you never know what you may hear when you when you stand looking at it do you have an idea that has struck you? No, I guess for me the main thing is um, the idea that it's like a display case at a, like a souvenir store. Yes. Sort of making, making fun of it in some ways. I'm really glad you brought that up because, of course, that's in the title. It's a display stand for Madonnas. So, you know, which I guess you can take in different ways, but you're absolutely right. She presents it to us as a commercial phenomenon. I think the, the thing that's interesting, too, is that it's able to ride all these different interpretations and still hold together. It's like it doesn't, it doesn't uh, tilt one way too far. So it, it, it's, no pun you, you intended. See, yeah, you see the, you see the, um, yeah. the sort of decline of, of uh, our, our sensibilities about what art is. Someone else sees the someone else sees the um, uh, uh, criticism of church. Uh, someone else sees something about mass culture, um, and it doesn't ever tip too far one way or the other. It, so it, it you know it has has this, uh, this ability to keep you know giving it a, a new interpretation or new reading, which I think makes it, um, you know, a, a pretty good piece of art in a way, because that's what, you know, we want art to sort of be able to, to keep uh, having new interpretations or having new, uh, right. new discoveries. Um, so, right. you know, you, you can get at it at a, a very basic level as sort of just formal properties, or you can start to, to take apart its, its meanings by the, by the layering, the number of Madonnas, the the color, things like that, all start to reveal, you know, possibilities for interpretation. Right. Maybe that's literally why she didn't tip it over and why it remains, you know, rigid and columnar. But I think it's interesting, you know, as Evan and all of you have said, that it manages to balance, or maybe not, you weren't sure what balance was achieved there, but shall we say sort of sustain a whole bunch of different meanings that are suspended in some kind of, you know, sorry, did you? Pattern. Some kind of pattern. There's a lot of patterns. Yes, well, you're the one who used the word lacy, which I thought was very evocative. Um, it definitely has that feeling, definitely has that feeling to it. So, it's... really interesting that it's not solid in the middle and the lacy, lacy quality of it. Is another another lens through which you might consider religion, or another lens through which you might consider art, and how people look at it and work within it, and 
a lot of interesting potential commentaries there. That's true. And it also makes me think, now that we mention it, um, and you sort of referred to this with the discs, is that you literally can see through it. It's not opaque, but it's as if you are seeing through the points that she's trying to make so that you, you know, can't be totally fooled because you have that possibility of transparency, I guess, through the Madonnas. It's not a solid, which is also interesting because, you know, sculpture can be all sorts of things, but this one is not a solid. It's, um, you know, has some air and ideas circulating through it. Does that make sense to a sculptor? <laughs> yeah. Elizabeth, thank you so much. Oh, it was, it's so much fun. Thank you. You've all made such amazing ideas. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.